Good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are excited that you are here and that you have chosen to worship with us this morning. If you are a guest, we welcome you here to our church. The, uh, the larger white poinsettia that's placed in the center of the red poinsettias here this morning in our sanctuary is placed in memory of Daniel Green and his December 12th birthday by his parents, Richard and Linda Green. And so we wanted to take notice of that this morning. At this time, I want to recognize Ted Daves. Uh, Ted is going to be coming up and giving us a recognition for Sunday school. Good morning. I've got uh, a couple of things that uh, I'm proud of this morning. And uh, first of all, let me uh, let me get one of these. And uh, I know, I know uh, Pastor Keith uh, not long ago had a uh, sermon, and it was about Jesus shining his light on the world. And uh, this morning, I'm pleased to announce that we had uh, two members of our Sunday school this past year that... Uh, did a good job shining their light for this congregation. And uh, we had uh, two people that had perfect attendance in 2016, and I'd like to recognize them today. And uh, Charles Bridges sitting right in front of me here. Uh, Charles, congratulations. That was... uh, I think Charles, if my memory serves me right, Charles missed one day last year. So uh, that's that's quite a feat, Charles. And the other one this morning is uh, our friend in the back, uh, Tom Hammert. And Tom had perfect attendance. <laughs> not only not only this year. Tom had perfect attendance last year as well, so I think I, I think the light from both these individuals is shining bright today, and I think we could all, you know, look, look to them and, and what a, what a good example they set. Congratulations, and and we have a gift for you. Okay. Good morning. In a devotional reading yesterday. I was sort of behind in catching up on the devotionals, and I ran across a scripture passage about how the earliest Christians welcomed the traveling missionaries and helped support them in their work. It said in the third letter of John, verse 8, we ought to support such people so that we may become co-workers with the truth. Well, today the mission moment is a reminder that we still have the privilege of being co-workers with Kirk and Susie in Thailand and with Bill and Michelle in China through our foreign mission offerings. You'll find those envelopes in the pew racks in front of you, and the offering in gathering is next Sunday, but you can give today or any time you like. So this Sunday, we're going to see two baptisms. One of them is going to be a baptism done by one of our missionaries. Then after that video, our pastor will baptize our newest church member, Briley Green. So I hope you will enjoy this video about what your giving is doing in these two countries. I'd had an interest in translation ever since the age of about eight, when my parents had taken me to hear Wycliffe Bible translators sharing about their work in Latin America. We had been in Thailand about seven years before we began to work on a Bible translation project as a joint project between CBF and the Wycliffe Bible translators. Our hostess had hired a tutor for us, and after a few days he said, I gotta tell you, I'm not a native speaker of Gamuang. So we said, well, what do you speak? And he said, Bisu. So as we heard about the Bisu, we kept thinking, maybe this is God opening a door for someone to go live among the Bisu. Maybe this is the bridge. And he said, 
why don't you guys come live with us? It's just up the mountain, why don't you come live in our village? He said, yeah, we, we really don't like Christians very much. You wouldn't come and preach at us, would you? And we said, no, we are Christians, and our desire is to help you to develop books in your language, develop alphabet, and eventually to translate the Bible. And he said, well, okay, I bet the Bible's okay. You know, I've heard that's a big book that people read. Susie immediately felt that as a, a sort of calling from the Lord that we should consider working with the Bisu people. I was more resistant. I thought this is a group of 700 people. Do I really want to pour my lives into such a small group? Is it worthwhile? Keith Parks took me aside and reminded me of how Jesus spoke of giving a cup of water to a child. And he said, you know, Kirk, I really think you should consider that this might indeed be God's, God's calling. I came to Thailand and learned that there were so many languages here, and many of them without a written language or Bible. Eighteen years later, the BC New Testament went to the printer, so we are just thrilled. We can hardly believe it. We've been working and living in the village for about seven years, and at that point there was only one believer among the Bisu people. We just invested so much into the, the Bisu people, and yet there was still no interest whatsoever in the gospel. And I was just thinking, maybe, maybe we were wrong. Maybe this was a false start. Maybe this was a distraction. The next day, I got a call from a, a Thai friend who lives up along the Thai border. And he said, there are some Bisu people from a neighboring country here to see you. So I went up, I drove up the next day to the border, and sure enough, these were Bisu speakers from a neighboring country. They shared how some of them had been praying every day for the Bible to be translated into their language. And they told me the story of how about 30 years earlier, they had converted to Christianity in sort of a mass people movement, no missionaries involved, that their whole village had chosen Christ. China is an exciting place to be. Christianity is growing so fast. It's really just an amazing environment to be in. Thanksgiving Church is a great story of how God's working in China. It was started in 2007 with a group of about 30 people. We had been invited by some local Chinese Christians to join them in that effort. And we started without a full-time pastor and we borrowed a meeting space from another congregation. About nine months after the church started, we had our first baptism service and we were able to baptize three people. And over the years, that's continued to grow until now we have six to 700 worshiping on Sunday in two different services and even a third location. 那么神的感恩堂身上还有更大的负担，那么感恩堂也愿意明白神的旨意，那行在神的旨意中。Church in China is growing so fast. The the difficulty is keeping up with the number of people that are accepting Jesus Christ, providing discipleship, really quality discipleship for these folks. We live in a province with a hundred million people, and in that population. At the local college level seminary, they graduate 25 pastors every year. 25 pastors for 100 million people in this regional area. It's staggering how inadequate that is. Lately, we've been very involved with providing theological education. It's a must to offer not only graduate level theological education, but theological education at all levels. I think the relationship between CBF and the churches that we've been able to partner with in Sichuan is a good model for how the global church can work together. Supporting field personnel is what enables us to live in these places and to share Christ and to work with the churches. Our sermon text this morning is Matthew chapter 3 about John the Baptist. I know last Sunday, and we'll be looking at that again this Sunday, about how John the Baptist prepared the way for those to hear the message of Jesus Christ. I'm grateful this morning that some of you and the family of Briley Green that's out here this morning have prepared the way for her to trust in Christ. We talked more this morning about what all that means and how sometimes uh, everything is wonderful and how at other times things can be quite difficult. And those of you who have lived 
uh, more life than I have know that those difficult times come. And it's great to be reminded that that presence of Christ, even in the midst of our pain, is with us during those difficult times. Well, today, this morning, it's a blessing to be able to uh, ask, or go ahead and come down, Briley, uh, to baptize Briley Green. Some of you know Briley and her parents, Brooke and Chad. Brad, sorry, I'm sorry, <laughs> Brad. And um, we're grateful uh, for them to be here today. And uh, Briley and I have talked this morning, again, about what it means to follow Christ, but her parents let me know last Sunday night that uh, she had put her faith and trust in Christ. They had been talking about this at home, and so she comes today for baptism. And Briley, I ask you in front of your parents and your family and everybody here, in whom have you put your faith and trust for salvation? Jesus. All right. Well, if you'll hold your nose. Upon your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in his death and risen to walk in newness of life. Amen. Let's, let's pray together. Father, we're thankful when young children put their faith and trust in you. Father, the childlike faith that we read about in the scriptures, Father, is something that we all need to have. Father, there's questions and there's things that we simply don't understand. But, Father, the faith and trust of what it means to, to, to look to you and to walk with you each day. Father, increase our faith. Father, bless Briley and her family. Lord, help uh, them to teach her your ways. And, Father, uh, we know that your grace will be there, uh, Lord, at times when, when we look away from you and when we uh, pursue our own path. But, Father, bless Briley. Lead and guide her not only this day, but in each day ahead, Father, we pray that you would walk beside her in a very personal way and be that good shepherd as she seeks to learn and grow what it means to, and learn more about what it means to be a Christ follower. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. All of God's people said, amen. amen.
Today, we light the candle of hope, reminding us of the hope that Christ has brought to our lives and to the world. And the candle of peace, remembering that Jesus is the long-awaited Prince of Peace. As we light the pink candle of joy, we are reminded that Jesus has brought joy to the world, and we, like Isaiah, must be messengers of the joy God has given us. Let us pray. Dear God, may we be your messengers, proclaiming the hope, peace, and joy which we ourselves have received. Amen. Please join me in the response, Emmanuel number 82. the children to come forward for lesson on the step. <coughs> hey guys, how are you? Today was an important day in our children's life. And Briley decided to join our church. She was baptized. Such a special day. We all grow that way very slowly, each taking steps. But today I want to talk to you about something very special. But sometimes we see a lot and we don't think about them very much. What is this? It's a star. What does this star mean at Christmas time? Jesus' birthday. birthday. And what? Who looked for a star? Did the shepherds and the wise men look for a star? Yes. They did. Well, you know the little thing that says, Starlight, star bright. First star I see tonight, I wish I may, I wish I might. First star I see tonight. Have you ever been outside in a very beautiful night and looked up at the stars? What do they do? They twinkle? Mm -hmm. Do they glow? Are they all different sizes? See, I've got a basket full of all different kinds of stars. Little tiny stars, big stars, middle-sized stars. Every one of y'all is a star in God's eye. Every one of you is special. Every one of you twinkles. And during this time of the year, we look especially for a star because that star is our guiding light to know that Jesus is coming. He is coming on a special day, but He's coming every day for us because we trust Him. We believe in Him, and we go to Him for whatever we need. So I'm going to give you a star today. And hopefully, if you put this in your window and the sun shines tomorrow, it's going to glow. One of your friends has one. Well, I want you to have one, Brayden. So to hopefully when it glows, then that night after it's absorbed all God's sunlight, 
you can look at it and remember that this is your guiding star towards Jesus' birth. Okay? All right, I want to remind you Wednesday night, it's bring your creative brain with you to children party Christmas time, 530, okay? Okay? All right, let's pray. Lord, today is a special day. We thank you so much for the walk in faith that Briley has begun. She has walked that walk as a child. Today, she steps forward to walk another step. Be with her, Lord, as she begins to understand more how that faith can grow every day. How she begins her trust, she listens, and she waits. Lord, I thank you for these children and for this season of the year and the expectation of the star that Jesus is coming. Protect them, watch over them, be with them. They are our children and your gift. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. great day to be in God's house. Amen. Amen. We're excited about each of you being here. That Briley uh, was going to be baptized and uh, we're preaching about John the Baptist and uh, we were there last week and we're there again this week. But uh, I'm glad you're here today. Our hearts are heavy also as well as we rejoice, but also we come together with mixed emotions. But uh, we certainly rejoice with Briley and her family. But uh, our hearts are heavy for Carolyn Gordon, her sister, who was uh, very much like a, almost like a mother figure in her life, um, passed away this week. And uh, we want to be in prayer for Carolyn and for Dave. I think they're traveling today as well. And so uh, let's keep them in our thoughts and prayers. Reed Murray, uh, Reed and Irene, uh, let's be in prayer for them as well. Reed is at Shelby Hospital. He's been up there since Thursday, I believe it is. And um, he may have to, to go to rehab somewhere for a while to regain some strength, uh, but he seems to be doing better than where he was on Friday. And so we praise the Lord for that. But uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer again this morning. Father, we're grateful for all the things that you allow us to experience in life. Father, many of those things are just so wonderful. And God, we just thank you for Briley and her family and um, the significance of what it means to, to put our faith and our trust in you and to follow through with baptism. Father, we rejoice with her and again her family. Father, but we also come together with heavy hearts this morning, lifting up Carolyn and Dave Gordon and for their family. Father, walk beside them through this sudden loss and difficult time. Be their good shepherd, Father, as they walk this valley. Father, we pray for Reed and Irene Murray. We pray for healing and strength for Reed, but Lord, we also pray for Irene and strength for her as well as she cares for him and, and travels up and uh, back and forth to Shelby each day. Father, we know of others in our community, in our church family, who are sick and who are in need of our thoughts and our prayers this morning. Father, we pray that you would lead us, your people, to respond in ways that are appropriate, to communicate your love, to communicate your grace. Father, we know not only of health issues, but Father, we know of families. We're going through difficult situations, decisions that need to be made. Father, we ask for your wisdom this morning in those decisions. For those who are living alone at this time of the year and who are just uh, finding it may be a little bit more difficult. Father, we pray that you would be very special, uh, a very special presence to them in their lives this day. God, we rejoice in the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of your son. God, we're grateful uh, for the grace, the forgiveness that you have offered each one here today. Father, I don't know the hearts of each person in the pew today, but Lord, I know that we all come looking for a word from you. We all desire the word to hear the things that you would have to speak to us today. And so, Father, help our hearts and our minds to be open to hear clearly from you the things that you would have for us this day. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Our next hymn is number 101, Gentle Mary Laid Her Child, 101. Please stand if you are able.
invite you to pray with me this morning. God, it is the Advent season. It is the Christmas season. And with those seasons, God, we, we feel many different things, excitement, joy, anxiety. And most importantly, God, we have a sense of waiting. God, as we wait for you this morning, as we wait for you for Christmas Day, this season, I pray that each of us would have a desire, would have the passion to follow your plan, to follow your will for each of our lives. God, as we are here this morning in your house, I pray that each of us would, would open up our hearts to be willing to give back to you. I pray that we would give monetarily, but also that we would give in a greater sense, God, that we would be willing to give our time, our efforts, our talents, and our ultimate devotion to you. God, you have blessed us with so much, with people, with things, and a church family who loves us. We are grateful for those things, God. We give our thanks to you, and we pray that each of us would be willing to give back to you to show our gratitude. It's in Jesus' name that we ask these things. Amen. from page 836 in the Pew Bible. It is Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. 
But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire.
Amen. Glory to God. I agree, choir. What a wonderful anthem and, and bells. Thank you this morning. It's good to have you back. Um, it's good to have all the bell ringers, but especially glad, we were especially glad to have Sherry Cox with us on bells this morning. Sherry, I don't know where you are, but welcome back. Someone asked me last week or this week, they said, what does a pastor do that's prepared a sermon that didn't preach it? And uh, first of all, I want to say, I talked to Jason this week and told him, I said, look, if I'd have had it to do over again, I'd have done it the same way. I said, it was a wonderful service last week with the ordination of Jason Hamrick. And, um, but, but somebody else asked me, they said, well, what does a pastor do if he had a, a sermon ready and he didn't preach it? And I said, well, and I'll, I'll tell you later what I said, but um, he, it was somebody from Gardner Webb. And uh, I said, well, you'll have to come this Sunday and find out is what I told him. I said, you'll have to come this Sunday and find out. But last Sunday, I'll let you decide if I'm preaching. Well, I guess you already know because the scripture's the same. So I guess it's a given. But I was going to say, I'll let you decide. Last Sunday's sermon was choices and I changed the name. This Sunday's sermon is decisions. So uh, you, can, you can make up your own mind if it's the same sermon or not. But um, uh, I, I hope you're having a good Christmas season. I recognize in all the conversations and all the activity of this month that it comes with mixed emotions. As we've already talked about this morning, experiencing both highs and, and sadness this morning in our service already with, with news. Um, I recognize that Christmas can be difficult for some. Uh, yet the message uh, from last week and the scripture and the message again today is a message that I think is relevant to our lives and one that this church and one that our world certainly needs to hear. And so um, I, I have tweaked it a little bit, but uh, you're going to hear my, my thoughts over the last two weeks. But um, many of you know that over the Thanksgiving break, our family was out of town. We went to Disney World. I didn't want to announce that uh, too, too broadly, but now that it's been there and done, I can talk freely and openly about it, but we were gone for about five or six days and had a wonderful trip to Disney World. And while we were there and before we left, we had to make a lot of decisions. There were a lot of choices that needed to be made. Uh, how were we going to plan our days? Where were we going to go? On what day? We went to all the different parks that you would think of. And uh, we had to decide, okay, how are we going to do our meals? And then when we started looking up reservations in Epcot for Thanksgiving Day, we found out that two or the three of the top places we wanted to eat had already been booked, and this was two months ahead of time on Thanksgiving Day. So we ended up eating turkey and dressing in Canada. Because if you've ever been to Epcot, you know that the circle, the uh, World Plaza or whatever it's called that goes around the lake and the big, you know, everything, you can eat in the different countries. So we ate in Canada on Thanksgiving night. And it was everything that you would think it would be. Not, not only the meal, but the whole trip. I mean, it was absolutely, to use a Disney term, magical. Um, we would call on the hotel uh, phone sometimes when we didn't know the answer about shuttles or buses, how to get here and there and all this. And sometimes, uh, most times they could answer those questions, but sometimes I called with other questions and, and sometimes they couldn't answer all of my questions. Maybe I had too many questions for them, but they couldn't always answer them. And they would, they would kind of try to guess and how to answer, but then they would always say, have a magical day. <laughs> I'm thinking, I need you to answer my question and then I'll have a magical day. But there were all kinds of choices to make. And I venture to say that the toughest choice, decision we had to make each day, difficult one. Even though I had been to Disney World, it was in, it was in junior high. And so needless to say, I still didn't know what I was doing. I, I, I didn't remember how to get from point A to point B. And so the things that we, we knew we had a limited amount of time in each park. And so you could spend days and still not do everything in the parks. So we had to make a choice about how do we get and, and use our best time from here to here and, and how to get, like I said the other week, how to get from there to here, from, from here, how to get from, to there from here. That's what I said. Um, but, you know, and so we had a paper map, which helped us some, but Renee had an app on her phone, imagine that, that had all the Disney parks in it. And so we would type in where we wanted to go and we would just walk and it would, whoa, that's the wrong way. And then we'd start, you know, and that was great. I wish I'd have had that, you know, years ago. Um, but choices have to be made. And, and I was reminded of the poem by Robert Frost. Many of you know this poem, The Road Not Taken. Um, and remember, I remember uh, his, the story behind this. I think he was writing it as a joke, if I remember correctly, for a friend about who was left with some choices. But it begins by two roads diverged in a yellow wood. And in the poem, he leaves us with the suspense of which one to take. We felt, that's how we felt navigating everything in Disney. And it's how some of you may feel this morning, that you have two roads ahead of you this morning. You have the road that goes along with 
the way things are going and the way maybe the crowd or the majority of people are going. And then we always are left with that road that is narrow and that road that uh, could be more difficult. It may not be the easiest road. And so we're, we're, constantly, we're constantly weighing these, uh, these two roads. Today we find ourselves as Christians in a world full of choices. And some of the choices are the same as they've always been. And yes, we have the Bible to guide us. Yes, we have the Holy Spirit or GPS, God's positioning system. I don't know. Um, But more difficult choices revolve around, do we align ourselves with what God is doing in the world or do we simply go along with the way things are? Do we align ourselves with the path that God has chosen for us and, and, and answer the call to be his messengers, his ambassadors, as Paul asks or says in 2 Corinthians 5, I believe it is? Do we answer that call and respond saying, yes, I will go? Or Isaiah in 6, here I am, send me? Or do we simply go along with the way things are? Our lives are filled, again, with choices. From one perspective, you could say everything we do is a choice. This time of the year, this Christmas season, this Advent season of hope and peace and love and joy presents us again with the choice. Will we simply follow along and go with the way things are, or will we align ourselves to be the people who can bring about the kingdom that John the Baptist and that Jesus spoke of? Our text this morning, and thank you, Malia, for reading this, um, Matthew chapter 3, I want us just to to understand fully, uh, well, maybe not as fully as we'd like to in a sermon, but what we're reading this morning. And it says at the beginning of Matthew 3, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And the question, first of all, was why the wilderness? Well, some who claimed to be especially holy, first of all, lived in the wilderness. And could it be that it was, the, it was only there that John felt safe from the Jewish and the Roman authorities? Jesus, we know, as we read through Matthew, later identified John the Baptist as the Elijah figure who could prepare the way for the Messiah. Jesus, and in in today's passage, John the Baptist calls out with a strong message, one that says, repent, or in some ways we could say, change your life. The kingdom is here. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make the road smooth and straight for his arrival. As we think about this passage from Isaiah, Uh, that Matthew quoted, is all roads were repaired and leveled and smoothed and straightened before the king came into town. So John was preparing a spiritual road for the Messiah. Before he came, John the Baptist quotes Isaiah 43 here in Matthew chapter 3. And here where the prophet announces the need to prepare a highway for the Jewish exiles from captivity to their homeland in Israel. This kingdom would be a new time where Rome wasn't in charge, and that was big. Matthew was strong Jewish background. He was was preaching primarily to Jews, and he used so many Jewish um, uh, references that uh, for those who he was trying to convince, those he was trying to communicate with about the Messiah, would certainly want to hear him, and he would have an audience. So he had to bring in Abraham. He had to bring in David, which he did, and we see that here in Matthew 3. But uh, the kingdom would be a new time, again, where Rome wasn't in charge, where the Messiah would right the wrongs and injustices would be corrected. It would be a time when oppression would come to an end and violence would be no more. As he was preaching, again, in the wilderness, he baptized those professing repentance and identifying with his message. Matthew, again, was writing to that devout Jewish audience, and they would not hear anything uh, if he did not bring in these points of references about Abraham and David. And so he did this. But when he saw the Sadducees and the Pharisees coming here in Matthew 3, he said some pretty harsh words. He said, you brood of vipers, is what he called them. You bunch of snakes. That's not a great call to worship, I would say. If people are coming to you in the desert to hear what you have to say and you call them a bunch of snakes as they arrive, that's probably not the best, again, call to worship. But that's what he did. And um, he's not subtle about the fact that their lineage, their Jewish heritage, means nothing at all. He says in verse 9, do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. This is a bold message to the Pharisees and to the Sadducees. And I don't know if you've heard, I think I may have said this before, but I love saying this about the Sadducees. They didn't believe in the resurrection. That's why they were sad, you see. All right. All right. 
but, the, but these, these people were the cream of the crop. These were, these guys, I mean, these were the deacons and these were the Sunday school leachers. They mowed the church lawn and they gave extra when asked. They, uh, they helped out in the nursery. That's got to count for something, doesn't it? I mean, these guys were, you know, these guys were the, were the cream of the crop here, but yet he calls them a brood of vipers. He's telling them that being a descendant of Abraham was neither here nor there. And what counts is your life. And is it green and blossoming or is it dead wood to be thrown on the fire? To be greeted in such a way that these Pharisees and Sadducees were greeted um, by this crazy man in camel skin who lives on a diet of locusts and wild honey, as Scripture tells us, who's telling him to repent and prepare the way of the Lord was probably more than many of them could take. And it probably only, only infuriate, infuriated them more. After hearing John the Baptist, a choice needed to be made. He was calling for repentance. He was calling to change your life again, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Today, Advent 2016, we must take a look at our own lives and ask whether the kind of people we choose to be contributes to the coming of this new world. The message that John the Baptist and that Jesus had for the people of that day is the same message that we are called to answer today. We have a choice. Again, do we align ourselves with God's working in the world, with God's working in our life, and go willingly in the direction that he would have us to go? Or do we simply go along with the way things are? Whether we like it, whether we know it or not, or whether we like it or not, what God is doing in our world affects the choices that we make about the way that we live our lives every day. To some, this isn't good news. To some of us, we would prefer uh, the warm feelings that come with Christmas um, to, keep the, to keep the idea of what Christ has come to say and to communicate is a nice idea that makes us feel warm and fuzzy inside. That's a very comfortable place for many of us to land. We'd rather not have to make the connection between our faith and our daily lives. I think this kind of disconnect is what John the Baptist had in mind uh, with his uh, rather harsh condemnations of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The one thing seems to be clear from John's response is they really didn't have a clue about what he was about. Whether we like it or not, the repentance that God confronts us with is about choosing sides. It's about where our allegiance lies. That starts with the kind of people we choose to be, but it also extends to what we actually do. Whether we like it or not, um, the coming of God's kingdom and peace into this world presents us with a road not taken kind of choice. To go back to the poem, two roads diverged in a single path, in a single woods. If our allegiance is with God and his work among us, then we need to face a hard reality. And the choice that in, entails choosing not to continue pursuing the selfish ways of this broken world, it means confessing our selfishness, pride, greed, our prejudice, our unjust ways, and make choices consistent with what we profess that we believe. That choice and that path is a road less traveled. It's a path that is not easy. It's a path that uh, will lead to difficulty. It's a path that will lead to hardship. But again, will we align ourselves with what God is doing in our lives and in our world, or will we simply go along with the way things are? We're on a journey today, and I don't need to tell you this, that, that our culture is changing rapidly. And many of the ways that we used to minister and, 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 and used to do church, uh, some of those are, can still be effective. But as we talk about in ministry circles and in leadership, church leadership, we must discover new ways. We must discover ways that are more effective. One of the greatest ways that the church has always had uh, effective in, has been effective in its ministry and its service and outreach to year, we must be authentic. When we mess up, we need to confess it. Um, we, uh, we certainly can't claim any kind of perfection, but God has called us to be authentic. He's called us to live lives where the world can take notice that there's something different about the way you and I are living our lives. John the Baptist says to the people, the same thing that Jesus says to us today is to make choices that bear fruit worthy of repentance, bear fruit that exemplifies or demonstrates to those around you that you know me 
live lives that bear fruit in this world. In Matthew chapter 3, at verse 8, Matthew says, Therefore bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, as we talked about earlier. You know, it's not enough to say, Well, my so-and-so was a preacher. I, I hear that a lot sometimes when I introduce myself and they learn that I'm a preacher. They let me know that somebody in their family was a preacher. And that's great. And I, I know sometimes that's just a point of conversation. But we hear the message that, that Matthew's communicating to the people today, he's also communicating in our lives. It's not enough to say that my mother and my father responded to faith or, or played you know, out their faith in this way or they, they served God in this way, but you and I must make a personal choice. You and I must choose our path and how we will respond to God working in our world. It's great to have that lineage that, that we can pass down to our children and our grandchildren of a strong faith, but it's a decision that you and I must make. I'm grateful for Briley and their testimony that she gave to all of us this morning in putting her faith and trust in Christ at the age of eight years old. Paul reminds us in Ephesians 4, 1, he says to walk or live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. The rest of Matthew talks more about what this kind of life looks like, what this kind of life of choosing this road less traveled, if you will, the decision of going the path with God of what that looks like. Uh, We have the greatest description in the Sermon on the Mount, something that all of us strive hopefully to live up to, but at times we we fail and fail miserably. But it's a different way of living. It's an upside-down way of living compared to how the world communicates to us that we should live. In Matthew 5 through 7, we have the Sermon on the Mount, and throughout Matthew, he continues to answer the question, the decision that we are faced with this morning. And what does that look like when we follow the ways of the Lord? And as we read through Matthew, we see the fruit of a life well-lived for the Lord through many parables and many stories. We begin today with a poem. Again, two roads diverged in a wood. The end of that poem says, and I took the road less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. What path are you on in life this morning? And what choices are you making along that path? The path of being a Christ follower is almost always the one less traveled by, but it is a path that has made all the difference in my life, and I hope and pray it is a path that has made all the difference in your life as well. Christmas time, we're faced with many decisions. Some of you, it's do I go to this mall or that mall, or do I go here, or do I go there? But the greatest decision of all this Christmas, God wants our hearts and he wants our lives. And he's calling out to you this morning. Some of you, he's been calling out to you this Christmas season to respond in new ways, maybe some ways that are more difficult. Maybe he's wanting you to give to certain things that are on your heart and your mind, and we're having a little little harder time trying to part ways with those resources. Maybe he's calling you to serve in ways that you've never served before. As we begin to think about a new year in 2017, that's even hard to say, the year 2017, isn't it? Maybe God is calling you to new ways of devotion, new ways to follow him and to walk with him. But the call that John the Baptist issued, the call that Jesus has issued, is the same as it's always been. And it's not an easy call, but it's a call to repentance. It's a call to change our lives so we fix them, we, we, we begin to walk in the path that he has for us. And as we do that, we'll begin to see what he's doing in the world around us. We live in a world that desperately needs the message of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can communicate that through our lips, and we can communicate that through our actions and our choices each and every day. And my challenge for you this morning is to look to him and to take that road less traveled by, because it will make all the difference. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for all the activity of this morning. It's been a busy morning. It's been an exciting morning with bells and baptism and uh, the Christmas decorations and the lighting of the Advent wreath and a special choir anthem. Father, it's been a special day. Lord, we know we have a special lunch for uh, remembrance lunch for those, uh, Lord, who have lost a loved one today. And so our day continues here in just a moment. But Father, it's been good to be in your presence with the body of Christ gathered together as one this morning. Father, we all come with different things on our hearts and our minds, different things that can distract us and pull us and paths that do not lead to you. So, Father, we confess that we've all taken those paths that are wide, those paths that are distracting, those paths that lead us away from you. But, Lord, this morning we're wanting, wanting to center our lives 
Father, our desire is to follow you. Our desire is to live for you. And so, Father, help us as we seek to walk down that road that's less traveled. Lord, help us to see what you're doing in our lives. Help us to see what you're doing within our world. And Lord, help us to have that spirit of Isaiah to say, here I am. Lord, send me. I don't know what the future looks like, and it could be uncertain. But Lord, I know with you, your presence will be with me and will guide me. And I'm excited about the uncertainty that may lie ahead. Father, we're grateful for your presence. Grateful for your presence here this morning in our service. And Father, I pray for each one here that you would speak to us in ways that we need to be spoken to. We all come from different paths and all have different things going on in our lives. But Lord, you have met with us here today. And Father, I pray that you would continue to meet with each one here as we go through the Advent season. Lord, we love you. Help us to be messengers of peace and hope and love and of the good news that's found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Father, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand as a congregation and sing joy to the world. We certainly have some joy to sing about. And my hope and prayer for you is that uh, you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you have not received the greatest gift of all that could be received at Christmas, the gift of a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'd love to talk with you more about that. If you have something you'd like to, to pray about, I would offer to, 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 to do that at this time. Or if you desire church membership, I invite you to come. Let's stand and sing together. Number 87. You can be seated for just a quick moment. I'm going to ask Briley and, and Brooke and Brad to come and join me this morning. We have something for you, Briley. I want to thank you for getting our service started off in the right way today. Uh, that is wonderful. Briley and, uh, Briley and her family and I had a good time of, some, uh, of discussing some things this morning, and we're going to be talking more uh, in the coming days about what it means to follow Christ. But Briley, here is a certificate. Whoa. A certificate of baptism for you. And uh, here is a devotional book. And you told me that you already had a nice Bible. So we want to help you as a church family grow and what it means to, to follow Christ. But I think you and your mom, I think Brad is a member here, but I think you and your mom also want to come seeking membership here at, at Bowling Springs. Is that right? She's coming by a transfer of letter. And um, Brooke is coming, obviously, on Statement of Faith. And so what is the pleasure of the church regarding Brooke and Briley coming members here at Boiling Springs? All right. All those in favor, if you'll wait, raise your hand and wave at them. Okay. All right. Well, we're excited to have you here at Boiling Springs. Like I said, we look forward to growing with you and sharing life together. I was sharing with them about the fish group and uh, the uh, younger group that gets together. We just recently did a few weeks ago at, at a house and have some good fellowship. So we look forward to getting to know you guys. And I know some people want to come by and shake your hand and say hey to you after church today. Okay. Well, let's pray together. God, we're grateful for this day to be together as your people. Father, I'm so grateful for all the, the many things that have happened here this day. 
But Lord, just as the choir anthem said, Father, it's all to your glory. And Father, I pray that each song, the baptism, the sermon, our prayers, Father, everything we've said and done in this place today would be to give you honor and glory. Father, teach us more about what it means to be your presence in the world that we live in today. And Lord, help us to align ourselves on the road less traveled. Bless us, lead us and guide us this week as we uh, go back to work, go back to family and within our community and help us to communicate the good news of Jesus Christ, both through our words and our actions. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.